Welcome back to the Curious Table. How's everyone doing? Doing well. Fantastic. How are you, Chrissy? I'm good. So, Lauren, you have a birthday coming up. Tomorrow is the day. Tomorrow. And we celebrated this weekend and I'm still recovering a little bit, but you know. You'll be 55? <laughs> 41. Oh. 41. So funny. Yep. You're so funny. Oh, right, she's older than you, huh? She is. Yeah, I'm the oldest. But How old are you? 43. Are we all, when's your birthday? Are you August? August 27th. Okay. Are you Leo? No, He's got Virgo. the same birthday as uh, one of my children. Oh, nice. And I'm a I'm a, a true Virgo. Chrissy and I are Gemini's. We are. So we had a house people. full of Gemini's at your birthday party and yes, it was did. crazy. It's a lot of people. Oh god. Yeah. It was fun. <laughs> it was fun. We need to do it again. You know, we should do it with all these people that are sitting uh, at the table I with would, us today we because totally should do that. Yes. We would have the best, best time. time. Yes. So tonight we have all of our Knox Pride um, members. Where we workers? Workers. Board. You're a worker. Yeah. Worker. Staff. 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 That's the That's where we've not had any cocktails. No, we have not. We really have not. Um, Lauren and I are still recovering from uh-huh. this weekend. Yeah, very much. So we're, we're in June, so it's Pride Month, and we wanted to end Pride Month with having the Knox Pride staff on. Um, we're going to talk about the things that are going on with Knox Pride, what they do, um, where, Knox, where Knox Pride has come from, and where it's going. So mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think it's, it's going to be a great way to end Pride Month. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So we will get started. To my right, I have the infamous Tracy. Me first. Yes, honey. Hi, everybody. I'm Tracy Sisson. I am the youth services manager. Um, I primarily work with the Rainbow Teens, which really just means every other Friday I get to hang out with some really cool queer kids at the center and just make sure that they have a good time and stay safe. Yes, we love you. I love you. And then, it doesn't feel right that you would go second, but here we are. (laughs) Haha, I'm first. That's who I am. (laughs) John Camp. I'm John Camp. I am Dustin's husband first. And then I am the executive director of the Knox Pride Community Resource Center and the CEO of the East Tennessee Equality Council. And we love you. Thank you. And then we have... I mean, I love you, too. That is uh, what Dustin said. I mean, I told him I love him the first time also. He said, thank you. And then I threw up outside of Club XYZ because I was drunk. Yeah. <laughs> well, we already have today. good stories. Here we are today. <laughs> Just share a little. Um. And also joining us tonight is Matt Navarro Camp. Hi everyone, I'm Matt. Uh, I am the director of merchandising and I'm also one of the co-hosts of the Knox Pride podcast. You're their director of what? <laughs> so there was one time I accidentally said merchandising and now it's like now it's a big running joke for the past six months that I said merchandising. And, and it was so cute and I love you for I it. I love how you look at me the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it was 
you should have corrected me. You should have let me re-record, and I didn't. So now I'm director of merchandising. The music covered it up. It's fine. So if you, if you have merchandising needs, I'm, I'm the one to do it. Find you at the merc table. <laughs> the merc table. <laughs> oh, that, that's my side hustle. Yeah. Merc table. Merc at the merc table. We sold so much merc this month. <laughs> so many merc. The merc. We just sell all of the misprinted stuff. <laughs> it's not merch it's merc um, I'm into it discount it then we have um, joining us is Nathan Higdon which you've heard um, on the podcast before he's been on our when we did our Suede of Hate um, series um, he was on a couple of those Hey, you all. I'm Nathan Higdon. He, him. I am treasurer of the board of the East Tennessee Equality Council. Dun, dun, dun. DBA Knox Pride. Mm. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being yeah, here. Thanks for coming back. Mm-hmm. And um, we have two more lovely guests. On my right is Chris Anderson. Yep, I am Chris Anderson. I'm on the board for uh, East Tennessee Equality Council. And. Last but not least, James Allen. Hi, uh, I'm James. I am the volunteer coordinator for Knox Pride, and I'm the other co-host for the Knox Pride podcast, the official Knox Pride podcast. (laughs) Just in case you were confused, this is the official one. Not the other one. And then we do have Jacob um, joining us tonight as well. Hi, I am Jacob, or JD, as you may know me from this. I am the sound engineer producer for the Knox Pride Network, and I also help with um, the food pantry at Knox Pride and the satellite pantry at South Press. And we love you, Jamie. So, a lot of people. It takes a, it takes a village. It does. To do everything that, that Knox Pride does. Uh, James, I want to start with you. Um, and have you talk a little more about volunteer services um, at Knox Pride? So we are in constant need of volunteers at Knox Pride. A lot of people, I think, uh, are still under the impression that Knox Pride is just Pride Fest in October, and they don't realize that we are working 365 days a year here at the center and that we need volunteers most of those days. Um, we have a clothing closet. The Thriftique is a, also a clothing closet and uh, our community is so incredibly generous that we are literally constantly sorting through donations so we can always use help doing that. Um, when it comes to the actual festival itself, uh, weeks weeks beforehand the staff is folding t-shirts and stuffing VIP bags and charging up iPads and doing all kinds of things that um, we need help with and if you would like to participate in that you can email me at volunteers at knoxpride.com and I will send you a survey to fill out and we'll get you in our database so before we talk about the Knox Pride Community Center I want to talk a little bit about the history of Knox Pride. We just did an event here with um, Donna Briquet, who runs the um, gay libraries here at Knox Pride and at South Press. And career Knoxville history. And, and on career uh, Knoxville history. I, so 
My understanding is the first Pride was in 1982? 1992. 1992. The first official Pride. For Knoxville. Mm-hmm. For Knoxville. For Knoxville. She has information dating back to 1977 for smaller events. And what did that, do y'all know what that looked like that first Yeah, she one? actually showed us a video of it. And there's some photos on the wall over here. So there was a couple hundred people okay. and they had a quote unquote radical black lesbian come from Atlanta and talk about the fight and how Knoxville should rally around that and how to be seen and heard. So it was really interesting to watch the video. During her presentation, she showed some of the footage from the parade itself. And there was a big debacle because the mayor wouldn't sign a proclamation for the city, but the city council did. So they felt like that was a win. So it was really interesting to see not only the style choices of 1992, but to see how small it how small it started to what it's turned into now. Yeah, I was wondering about the pushback, if there was any pushback at that time. I think the Knox Pride has historically been, what's the right word, um, immune to pushback. We don't get a lot of hate mail. We don't get a lot of people showing up, knocking on the door. Pride last year was our highest attendant Pride ever, and we had six protesters. So I feel like for a larger festival... And a larger organization doing the work we're doing, we have a, a very little pushback, which we're lucky mm-hmm. for. We yeah. definitely recognize that. Why do Why do you think that, as Knox Pride, being the organization it is, that we don't see? I think I'm sure Nathan may have his own ideas too, but I think I think that people we have a huge reach. We have a lot of social media following, so people assume that it's harder to mess with us than someone that has two or three thousand people following and watching what they're doing. We have a great relationship with the city and the local media, and now this year the national media, so people know who we are. Um, but also, I think that they, I think we run well, and I think people think there is a huge corporation behind <laughs> this. Is, and so I think that they worry because when we meet new people or new community partners we partner with, they're always surprised that it's me and Nathan they're meeting with and Story, and that there's no one else they're meeting with. Uh, we had a couple people come in the last six weeks and we're like how many people are on your marketing team can you get around this i'm like well i am the marketing team (laughs) (laughs) i think that there is a an air about us that we are larger than we are so i think they're worried to i think they're worried to mess with which is a good thing yeah it's a good thing for sure and i am petty i will mess right back with you (laughs) i would echo what you said and say that you know as a corporation e-tech it has a and then, then the doing business side with Knox Pride, but uh, Knox Pride as a whole has a really strong reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's taken years to build that. And I think that's one of the reasons we don't really get messed with is because we have a reputation for doing good into the community. We didn't always have that, let's be clear. But we've got such a reputation for doing good, it makes it so much harder for naysayers to push back. Yeah. So it, I would I would agree with everything you said and say that through all of those things, it's built a, a, a solid reputation for do-gooding into the community that just makes it really hard for the folks who don't like us to um, push back. Well, I think when people see you and I, especially Nathan and myself, at events, setting up events, running events, talking to people and actually talking with them. And then they see the super volunteers of our friends that are in the group and they're used to seeing those faces. 
they feel more connected, I think. Because you don't see a CEO or a treasurer typically at an event at 6 a.m. loading in merch and stuff. And I think that that makes people feel more comfortable, more ease, or like, we want to support this. Because they're not just a bunch of people sitting in a boardroom making decisions for a community. I think that's a working board. Sorry to cut you off. This is such a working board. And... And you have done so much work in trust building and uh, varying communities, uh, John. Well, everyone at this table, to be clear. Yeah. But uh, you know, especially as heading the organization, you know, built begun to build these bridges, repaired some burned down bridges through the community. So it's it's all those trust building things that I think. Well, I think the five years of us working together as as a team, because we're the we're the team. That's what I was going to ask. Um, both. How long have y'all? Have you Nathan's both? been longer, seven years. Yeah, going on eight. I'm like, <laughs> like the old gay yeah. in the corner of Knoxville. Nathan stayed on past his term because I asked him to. I shared my ideas with him. We had common goals, so we mm-hmm. worked on that together. We did not expect it to turn into this mm-hmm. um, or a lifetime commitment, but that's kind of where we're at. <laughs> um, but I think 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, Nathan and I started every meeting, every conversation with, hi, we're Knox Pride. We are automatically sorry for whatever we've done to you in the past. What can we do to fix Let's it? Start over. And I think 2023 is the first year where we have meetings that we're not apologizing to people. Great. You've yeah. created a reputation, a good reputation. I think yes, so. I really yes, do. It's hard to like say that, but I think that we have no, put I in know. a lot of work to I, do that. Yeah. That's one of the things that I heard the most at Pride Fest this year was how, from the workers there, um, that how easy we were to work with, how accommodating, how clean, how just respectful. I mean, they kept going on and on about it all weekend. Like we've never had an event where we've worked with this many people yeah. on this level. So, well, my Nathan's first real pride we worked with was 2019, and there was a huge communication snafu that was a big issue, and it could happen to anyone. But we were both very aware that we wanted communication to be as crystal clear as possible. I think we are really good at communicating everything to anyone. You have all the details. Yeah, all the details are right there in front of you. Yeah, yeah. And if people email me and they're like, blah, 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 I highlight their email I've sent to them and I put it in yellow. I'm like, it's in this email. There you go. Already thought of it. (laughs) Yeah. One of the market um, vendors said that about you. Mm -hmm. Like if they ever have a question, they're like, oh, I just need to go back to the email. It's in there. Yep. So what was your background before? Corporate management. So I ran companies for the last 15 years, and I like to think my background is hiring and firing people, (laughs) but it was really a lot more than that. But yeah, corporate management, but I'm used to having to deal with a multi-million dollar budget, hundreds if not thousands of employees, meeting goals, meeting deadlines, and it's for a company that most people use, and I rolled out several lines of business for them over the years. So I take that corporate free knowledge of all the trainings, all the classes, We put that into nonprofit. And I think that's why our nonprofit works because we look at it as a corporation and the stakeholders are the community. So we're looking at what is their return on investment. Yeah. That's great. And what's our return on investment? Because our best friends spend 40 or 50 hours a week too, whether it's in the building or at home working or at events, especially in June. I don't think any of us at this table have had a day off. No. I don't think we work less than 12 hours a day this month, every day. Full-time gays. It is. Full-time gays. I love that. Not part-time. And no one has ever, even the people who aren't here tonight, are ever 
no. It's just like, yep, yeah, let's do that. Yeah. Well, yeah. you all seem to have such a good... All of your personal relationships seem to be really tight. And obviously, you can be personal and professional mm-hmm. and not let those things... Yeah. And we're good at that. We, we will have arguments or we'll have disagreements or we won't... There's never a miscommunication, but it's... I see it this way. I see it this way. And we, we work it out, and then we are able to go out to Cancun and have margaritas afterwards and leave it <laughs> right, leave it, leave it where it was. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's great. Because all this is bigger than each individual one of us sitting yes, here. Yes, you're right. And, if, yeah. you know, and that's something that I believe that, you know, in John's <coughs> vision, of, which is why I stayed on, was his vision of what this could become, was that, um, you know, if we do this right and all the hard work in the beginning... We'll build something for people who will never know who we were. And that's really the important, really the important thing that we're doing here. I think when I started, I'm sure it isn't surprising, but it was, I wanted to be in charge of something. I wanted people to know that I was doing it. And that kind of fell by the wayside pretty fast. Mm -hmm. I'm much more concerned about the legacy of pride Mm -hmm. than my own. Yeah. So what was that vision like? Like what were the things that were sort of your North Star when y'all took To be over. real honest, when I started the board, one of the only people I enjoyed being around was Nathan. So the vision was to get rid of everyone else and say, ha I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just being, and those those people have come back into the fold and help mm-hmm. out. And we've always been, I you always know exactly where you stand with me. There's never going to be mm-hmm. a question. Um, and those opinions have changed and we've grown as people and I've grown as a person. But that was my goal was like, I walked in the room and one of the board members told me that you're never going to do anything. That was my mm-hmm. first conversation. That we're not going to allow you to do. I was like, and I went out to my car and I was like, "Fuck this!" Mm, that was like pretty. We're going to do everything. Just made a big mistake. And then the <laughs> pandemic hit, and we isolated with our group of friends because we had children that we didn't want to expose to things. And Nathan and I started talking in June of 2021, and I was like, "How much are we paying to rent our storage building?" And that was kind of the start. And we found the building we're sitting in right now for 150 dollars more a month. And it doesn't have rats. And no rats. Yeah, that was the big wow. thing. Our, so our good. storage unit had rats and mold, and they refused to help us with it. So we were like, we have to get out. And then we just kind of challenged each other that in the month of June, we would find a place to move to, and we'd have something to share with the community that was hopeful. And that's how the Pride Center started. Before we dive into the Pride Center, as we're talking about Pride and Pride Fest, that has been... Historically, what Knox Pride has been about is, is the, the festival. I I want to know what everyone's favorite Pride moment has been. Like before you, Chrissy, before you came and helped at Pride last year, have you ever been to a Pride before? Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, we um, had been to several Prides, but um, our kids. We took our kids for the first time in um, Houston. And um, Daniel's brother and his partner lived there, and that was their first experience. And it was also when we also probably looked at our child and were like, "You were feeling yourself <laughs> Tell in them a what way." You told me this weekend about that. <laughs> they basically were feeling themselves in like such a beautiful way that we were like, "Wow, they are." There was like a waiting pool, and there were like people on rafts, and it was like a whole thing. And they fun. they just like went out into the water, <laughs> and even their uncles were like, "Maybe not." So much. And they were like <laughs> 10, nine, Yeah, they were 10. 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was, that was a special pride. So. Yeah, I have gone to several here, and then I'm from Spartanburg, South Carolina, and I went to one there, which was 
interesting because it was it's kind of a conservative more conservative smaller town than Knoxville it was good and then I've been to a few in Charlotte but it wasn't it hasn't it's probably been three years ago because COVID I kind of like went into my shell too and didn't come out but me and a dear friend of mine who is a gay man school teacher we walked in the parade and I don't really know how that happened but somehow we just kind of got swept into it and he had a sign that said proud gay teacher or something and people were running out Mm -hmm. to him from the sidewalk to like hug him and thank him for holding that sign and that was like the best and it did so much for him and he had not felt particularly comfortable within his school he wasn't feeling exact he he couldn't really be himself but it was just it was it was fantastic it's giving me chills just talking about it you don't know james your your first pride was johnson city pride right it was when I was a teenager, and, and I don't remember a lot of it <clears throat> for certain reasons. I don't have a lot of memories from when I was younger. <laughs> I just remember it being very small, just a handful of people, kind of like picnic style. And I remember the first Pride that I went to in Knoxville. I, it must have been around 2002 or so. Um, and there were maybe a dozen vendors and one drag show and one person playing music and it was very small and when I was 30 years old as some of you know I met a man on the internet (laughs) and I took a Greyhound bus all the way to Boise Idaho to meet him and when I was there it was Boise Pride and we went and I just remember being floored at the fact that there were thousands of people there and I came home feeling like wouldn't it be cool if that was the case in Knoxville um, and not long after that, it became the case. And I think my, I mean, I know that my favorite pride memory is the first time I ever did the parade and yeah. the parade starts and turns onto gay street. And that first time we turned onto gay street yeah. and there were yep. like, you see all yep. the people. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was like 60,000, 70,000 yeah. people yeah. just like welcoming you. And just lo- yeah. So yeah. I had never been to the parade. Until it might, it we honestly might be year. like the happiest I've ever felt in my yeah. entire mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the only reason I'm sitting here is because of satanic mechanics and Salome Cabaret. That's, and the first time walking in the parade, I had been to Pride before, just like as a guest, but you know, didn't really know a bunch of people. And the first time walking with Salome in the parade and and making that first turn on Gay Street, you're like, ah, this is where I'm supposed to be, and this it takes your are, breath and away. And these yeah. are the people I'm supposed to be doing this with. Yeah. And so- <laughs> four of the people sitting at this table were there. You know, it's something that stays with you forever, and. Sometimes when I'm in a place that I don't want to be anymore, I remember that moment. Yeah. yeah. So good. I remember when Pride was in Market Square. That was the first time mm-hmm. I went to Pride was when it was in Market Square. Um, and I I can remember feeling like that was the biggest thing was, you know, we're in Market Square. It's this big thing. Um, you know, there was a drag show on um, the amphitheater stage there. And I, I think one of my favorite moments was there, um, and there was a drag 
performer performing and there was this this moment where it's probably three and he had a dollar <laughs> and watching this drag queen bend down and interact with this kid because it was never in my thought that that was ever going to be an issue Mm-mm. but it felt normal and because coming from a small town that wasn't anything you ever saw mm-hmm. and so to see that interaction was because um, that was when I was first coming out and so it answered a lot of things about myself or mm-hmm. a lot of doubts I had about myself being a, a gay person. So just seeing the, like, what exactly was it? Was it like seeing the representation or what about it made you sort of be able to answer those questions inside of yourself? That, I guess that the world wasn't just gay and straight, uh-huh. but that they collide, that they, they overlap, and that gay people can have a family and they can go and celebrate at this time, you know. Um, So just seeing that um, was kind of magical. I mean... I would say that's the thing that Knox Pride has given our family too, is that like, well, other than radical acceptance, like I've never been accepted and loved by a group of people like y'all love. It's just... And, and I think it's the reason that Knox Pride is as successful and has that, like, hedge of protection around it is because of all the love. Um, but seeing all of the different life experiences and getting to know people up close um, is the thing for me that, like, changed who I am as a person forever. When you were there working, yeah, you were working months in advance. Like, it's very different. Yeah. I think the love our group of friends share mm-hmm. is bled over mm-hmm. into pride yeah and into the community and i think 100%. 2022 was so diverse mm-hmm. and accepting we removed a lot of barriers for people yeah. whether physical or financial for me pride is i see it for months in advance in a very different way it's in spreadsheets and in meetings i don't see pride during pride because i'm focused on everything oh i'm gonna cry <laughs> um <clears throat> I'm making sure everything is working, mm-hmm. and you guys are okay, because you guys give a lot of time and energy. You don't have to. And then I see Pride a couple weeks later in photos, and we talked about that at the Queer History Night. I don't really know what's happening. I've never been to Parade. I trust that Tracy and James and everyone else that went to the Parade took care of the Parade, and need to walk in they are all sending me photos from the Parade, because I'm very anal retentive, so I needed to know exactly where everyone was standing at all times. But there's so many things going on. So I think that the aftermath of Pride and the pride I had of what we created and then seeing people and share their stories online, that's what gives me pride. It's like, oh, we, no one in this room should be doing a festival with 80,000 people. None of us have ever done anything like, we're not equipped for that. But we did it. And a lot of people are better because of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, like... Because I'm thinking in my head, like, my favorite Pride memory, and I'm like, man, it's such a cop-out for me to say that it was last year, but it is, because even though I didn't get to take part in a whole lot of the activities of Pride, I spent time with my family. Yeah. So much time. (laughs) So much time. So much time. So much time with my family. That's when I got to know you so well. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. we were slinging Mm -hmm. food all weekend. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And just 
for like the little bit of quiet that we would have at the beginning of the day and then at the end of the day mm-hmm. being fully exhausted like I remember going home after the weekend and just like having a big cry uh-huh. but it was a good cry yeah, yeah. Like, just like cathartic like letting all of that out and I just if going forward if I never get to really even take part in a whole lot of what's happening there as long as I'm there and I'm doing it with my family and my friends yeah that's all I need for pride every year yeah. uh, that's cheesy and sappy I know no I agree because I, I when we first joined pride um like I was upset that we were working so much that we didn't get to enjoy it but to what you were saying I mean it's different because when you're working it and, and you're are the cause for people to be able to celebrate themselves mm-hmm. and experience yes. feel themselves mm-hmm. you know maybe for the first time mm-hmm. um, it's there's a sense of accomplishment and being proud that you get to be a part of that so mm-hmm. that definitely outweighs being able to you know yeah, walk around. Walk around. Yeah, you know. And, and I don't know. Giving away. I've never seen people so happy for free white t-shirts whenever we came to Dustin. Oh, that. I, there were so many great things. My favorite part. You probably cried all of the week. There were yeah. several times. I know. I know. Um, but that Friday night, you know, we had all the parade had happened, and we all came back to to finish the, um, and we ordered pizza, and we were just all. Um, sitting on the ground in a chair in the dark. golf cart <laughs> yeah. in the dark just being present with each other that like that was our mm-hmm. celebration um and you could just feel like mm-hmm. that energy and that love mm-hmm. uh it'd been a long day but none of that mattered um and no one complained yeah. everyone was just happy to be together yeah that was my favorite part of the weekend i would say I that would sure. be mine too was like the pizza because i remember that very strongly as like just hanging out with everybody, having like, I don't know, like eight dozen pizzas or whatever it was. Like we, there was so much. And then like the next moment, my favorite was the night before, I guess the actual festival too. Like, like after the parade and stuff, when they were setting up the amphitheater and they had all the balloons hung up and like, yeah. it was just, it was so moving to like, sit there and like watch them hang all that up and then got to experience it with my new family and it was it just it struck something in me that i didn't know i needed to feel and it did and it was so it was i don't know it was so like embarrassing to like (laughs) sit there and just like cry over like beyonce playing in the background but like it was was so touching just to watch that like it just it just struck something in me but it was so much more than that i think it was like i that was the first time i ever was a part of right pride because that was the year i joined um and it was just like an amazing weekend long and tiring but the best part was actually the day after Pride is because that's when I got engaged. Was it the day after? Yeah. Y'all were at the- we told Rhoda if he made it through Pride, we'd ask him to marry him. And it was, it was, it was literally yeah. the next day. Yeah. God. To, to, be, so to be a camp God. takes a lot. And there's a lot of camps at this table. But and I proved it, it after takes that a weekend. Lot. You did prove it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, but I will also say this, like, 
I remember 2019 Pride, and that was the first year that I was actively, not just walking in the parade, but actively involved with everybody. And I was over at stage two, and I spent the better part of the day by myself. And there were moments where I was like feeling bummed because I was like, my family's off doing something else together at a different stage or doing something else, and I'm over here. And then about halfway through the day, I realized, fuck, it's because they trust me. Mm-hmm. And like, that's the greatest gift, right? Mm-hmm. That like, and I remembered, oh yeah, it doesn't matter that I can't see them. <clears throat> I'm still here with them, you mm-hmm. know? And I think that that's a huge gift because we get to give ourselves those gifts between us and then we get to give it to the larger community. My trust is the biggest thing you can get. Yeah, that is true. It also wouldn't work if we didn't have love and faith and trust in each other. Can you imagine? I mean, last year was the first year that we did a three-day festival, and we were all exhausted by the end of the first day. Can you imagine if we were exhausted like that and around a bunch of people we didn't like? Like, Yeah, terrible. I think a lot more. Actually, I can. I can. I I know what. I think a lot more people would sign up and sign up in a big way if they could feel that because yeah. it's daunting i get it i 75 percent of our volunteers didn't show up for 2022 and i think that if they actually were in the moment mm-hmm. and experiencing what they're experiencing they're gonna be tired they're gonna be exhausted mm-hmm. but they're never gonna feel underappreciated they're yeah. never gonna feel not loved mm-hmm. and if people would go through if there was a way to bottle that and spray it on somebody they'd be like okay <laughs> i'm in because mm-hmm. i don't know how we do it with this amount of people we have and i also think that this is a tight-knit group that can be intimidating and i think that some people are you know sure. um it, intimidated by that but um, I can say as a newcomer to your group that that is not um, the case at all. And yeah, I can I can speak to that as well. It was my first pride, uh, my first involvement in the community. Uh, I'd been thirty plus years as a far right wing, uh, you know, church going evangelical person, and to uh, come out to shift my life and then to try to insert into this family you know um, wasn't easy but they made it easier Uh, they were welcoming you know they kind of you know made it feel like I just belonged here Mm -hmm. and like they'd known me forever Um, and and similar you know they put me in charge of the stage over here and like this is my first year they don't know me from nobody but here (laughs) I am getting to do this I got to spend time with uh, Big Gay James here never met him before and um, I know uh, JD and I, had, you know, we're out planting stakes <laughs> in, in the grass. We measured the hell out of the lawn. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I didn't know any of these people hardly, and, and I got to spend time with them, and, and uh, it was just a great time. And, and then seeing my family uh, come to the event uh, at the parade, uh, at the you know at the festival itself. Um, I had my daughter taking pictures with a couple of the drag queens, talking about how beautiful they were. Um, and uh, having a dance, a, a pause dance party with Story in the middle yeah. of the festival grounds, you <laughs> yeah, know, just yeah. to hang out. Um, and, you know, I've got, they, they ask me pretty much every week, uh, when's the next Pride? When's the next Pride? When's the next Pride? Yeah. And we're, we're having to tell them, it's, you know, it's September, it's October, it's whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, we got to wait that long. So, um, 
those memories are things that like watching my my kids want to go back and want to do more and experience the acceptance with these other people and um you know there's there's never this question of like you know my kids don't care that they're drag queens they just care that they're they're beautiful that they were you know whatever they don't care if this person's trans or that person's gender fluid or whatever they are they're like oh look at that person's outfit look at that person's flag this person's talking to me and they're nice and Mm -hmm. you know it, it was just an amazing time to watch them enjoy it, too. Well, I appreciate you saying that because I feel like my one misstep in 22 was underutilizing you. Because you're always in the background. You do, Chris does all the compliance stuff. He deals with the state to make sure our 501c3 is valid or when it isn't, get it back to valid. <laughs> Any little thing that can keep, keep us from not running, Chris does. But you do it very quietly. And I felt like we didn't utilize you enough. So you're very smart and... I did not think in my brain because we were so busy. And Chris was like, you know, I have like all this music background. I'm like, oh, well, that would have been great to have thought about four months ago. <laughs> so this year you're going to be doing all of it. <laughs> I honestly remember that be conversation. Be careful what you wish for. <laughs> like, right, it was maybe a few weeks before the festival. And when we found that out, we were like, okay, this, this kind of changes up where we're going to put everybody. But also getting into from 2019, you know, we were planning 2020. And then it didn't happen. And that was a loss. That was nine months of me planning. That was the first festival I got to plan myself. And we had to switch venues. So we never could use that stuff again. So it was like I lost something that I worked so hard for going into 2022 after the pandemic. I felt this weight of like, if it doesn't go perfectly, it's all my fault, not anybody else's fault. So this year, I feel much more comfortable what we accomplished so people can actually do their jobs leading up. Day of, I was like, do what you need to do. But leading up, it was a little crazy. Chris really saved me uh, in in the past last year's. Yeah, you got well stuck because, for a little bit. <laughs> well, and, I, and I was, it just happened to work out that I was on a stage, basically by myself, and my entire support system were all spread out, and I didn't really get to see people much. And there were a few points where I really needed somebody to just like calm me down, and Chris was there for that, and. I do want to say that my second favorite (laughs) pride moment was last year when I had about 20 to 30 minutes free and I got my hands on a golf cart and I just drove around to see all the dogs that were there. (laughs) I think you drove me to the bathroom. That is the best part of working pride is having a golf cart. Yeah. Oh, it's so fun. So uh, for me, you know, listening to everyone. I think it's something that, you know, as a greater community, we're kind of so accustomed to like grandiose things. And what I think is can be particularly magical about pride is that, you know, it's, it's all the little moments, right? Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons I think people don't volunteer as much as they could is, you know, they're expecting to do something big, right? Mm-hmm. And I firmly believe that the most meaningful things are often the most unsexy things right and so you know that's I wish people realized that a little bit more but you know I have never attended a Knox Pride event uh, that I wasn't somehow connected to so I've I've never been to Pride in Knoxville Uh, I was either a vendor or I've been on the board and so I guess at this point 15 years now so my magical pride moment or the first time was going was in baltimore uh 
it's probably 10 or 12 years ago. I just happened to be there and it was Pride and my buddy who lives there, he's like, oh man, you've got to go to your first Pride. And so I went and their grand marshal was their uh, mayor at the time, Mayor uh, Stephanie Rollins, I believe. And she comes down and their parade route was like two miles long and she comes down and like four and a half inch unplatformed stilettos and walked <laughs> the whole thing in this fabulous outfit just on these teetering hills and just waving these big pride flags and I was like whoa this is cool and as part of those realizing like where you're supposed to be I think my favorite but to pull it back to Knox Pride my favorite Knox Pride I think anyway, my favorite moment was um was at the end of the first night where a lot of people's but and of course I love all of your company but my favorite was I think I was the last person to leave and so I'd kind of wandered around and I had the whole park to myself mm -hmm. and it was night and everything was lit and I was like wow we did this mm -hmm. and so you know my joy and all of the stuff we do rarely comes from like being a participant in the stuff but it's like hearing your old stories those were so impactful like sitting here mm -hmm. listening I'm like like Tracy when you were talking about being you know before you came into the herd as just like walking the parade you know I've never done that but I get to hear that and not that I necessarily need to it's not a pitch for that <laughs> but hearing but hearing other people's stories about this and I think that's what I forget a lot of times saying behind the computer doing stuff of pride is that we are creating spaces and magical moments for tens of thousands of people every mm -hmm. year for them to learn how to love themselves or learn how to le learn how to love other people right. and you know for families to learn how to you know integrate their children back in if they had mm -hmm gotten them out or learn how to love them harder and we you know we get to be such a, a phenomenal part of such beautiful things and it's easy to forget that i think sure. um, you know we, we think about all of the things going on with the slate of hate and and all of these bills and you know this very high level national look at the lgbt community uh and then you hear stories like yours about your your kid just going into this pool with other people like themselves or whatever mm -hmm. It's like those are the moments that are going to matter to the people. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, they're going to know that, that Knox Pride's speaking out against the trans bill or whatnot. But, you know, seeing the, the joy light up in people when they look around and they see people like them mm -hmm. and that feeling of I belong here mm -hmm. and I don't have to hide who I am. I don't have to be afraid of ridicule. I don't have to, you know, these are my tribe. These are my people. You know, being a part of that experience... Um, even if it is in the background or whatever, it's still allowing that to take place and knowing that you are having a direct impact on people, not just in like this theory or not just in, you know, legislation, but you're you're literally watching these people's smiles as they experience that pride, you know. Joy is how we win. Yeah. Well it keeps us going when we hear other people share their experience of what we help create. Mm-hmm when we have our lowest moments creating that, because there's low moments leading to pride. Yeah. That's what keeps you going. Um, Chris, I think with what you were saying is um, a big part of why the Community Resource Center came about 
um, we're going to take a small break. Um, and then when we come back, we're going to look at the evolution of Knox Pride into something that's 365 with uh, the Community and Resource Center. So we'll be right back at the Curious Stable. Dinner tonight was provided by Hong's Kitchen, located in Pretentious Beer Company, from the minds behind Soul Brothers. Thanks for a delicious dinner. Welcome back to the Curious Table. So we were talking about Pride Fest, where it was, where it's gone to um, in the recent future. But now let's talk about Pride 365 um, as we move into the new Pride uh, Community Resource Center that came about, I guess it'll be two years this October. Um, and October that, 3rd. Yeah. And so let's talk about everything that happens here at the Pratt Center. Um, starting with, Jacob, let's start with you. Because you, what you help with and oversee is a, a big portion of, of what the, the center does as far as the food pantry goes. Well, I, I have to say that I right now do not get to spend and dedicate as much time to that as I would love to, but everybody else has stepped up and really taken a good a good initiative with making sure everything moves along smoothly with that. But it's something that's important to me because as a kid, I, I was food insecure quite a bit. There was lots of times going to pick up like... Um, at food pantries that were done by, you know, the, the state and the government, but then also taking part in ones that local churches would have. And one of the things that I just, even as a kid, I didn't like was that everything, even stuff that's supposed to be free is so means tested. Even if it's something where it's just requiring you to give your name and your demographic information, which for some people, especially in our community, is not something you want to do. And I really like that with what we provide, it's no questions asked. You come in, you can get what you need, and you can go. You know, and now with the city having partnered with us with the fridge that's outside, there is a community fridge that's available 24-7 for people to take and leave fresh food items as they need them. Um, and just seeing the amount of stuff that comes in and goes out it's a, it's a need that our community like it's a definite need in our community and like I I'm trying to think back I'm like what was happening before the resource center started yeah. you know where were all of especially our our queer youth where were they getting fed from mm -hmm. it's just I I'm I'm glad that we are doing it I'm glad that we have the satellite pantry that we've partnered with South Press on you know shout out to Jocelyn for that and we've got the fridge and I can't wait to see what we do next with it I don't think. I don't think a lot of people understand what kind of food security is in the queer community. Mm -hmm. I mean, because when you think about it, a lot of, especially youth who have been kicked out of their home for coming out, who are struggling to just find a place to live, you know, let alone be able to buy groceries or whatnot. Mm -hmm. I don't think people understand that, that how significant that is in, in our community. So to have something like this is... Well, what we're doing here is radical. So a lot of my job now, I mean, two years ago, Jacob said we should have a food closet. 
And that was it. We're like, yeah, we'll do that. We were talking about what do community centers normally have? You can think about when you were a kid and went to a community center, what did they have? And everywhere like that had a, had food available. And so that's why we started it. But now I'm on two boards, one national and one regional for food insecurities and how to, how it's working with city, state, government, uh, the food chain, how it's getting to people. And every time I talk about our setup here, everyone thinks it's wild. We, we weigh all of our food. I have a crazy spreadsheet, if you want to look at it, that has logged every single thing that's ever come in the building and how many ounces it is. So we know exactly how much food we give out. But we don't collect any information. And most of the larger organizations that offer free food will not give us food at a discounted rate or for free because we won't take people's socioeconomic backgrounds. We Because our... our Slogan is, if you're hungry, you're hungry. If you need clothes, you need clothes. That's just that simple. And when we say that to people in these settings of businesses or with other businesses in these group settings, you just see their faces like, what are you talking about? Like, how many how many queer people are getting your food? I'm like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. They're hungry. It doesn't matter. And I'm always like, I'm happy to tell you the poundage. And we talk about poundage a lot because it's a lot of food we give it out. Um, and no one seems interested in making that change. But I think that's the key to it. Change it to... It doesn't matter if a black person, a white person, a queer person, a straight person is taking food. It's how many pounds of food. And if one place is giving out X amount of pounds, you know they need more food. And if one place is giving out less amount of food poundage, they don't need as much. It can be that simple. And we sit on lots of phone calls and in lots of meetings where lots of older straight white people do not understand that. And a lot of people are being paid a lot of money to solve a problem that's very simple to solve. Well, and I think another thing that a lot of pantries don't take into account is, and it's something that we learned as well, you know, when we first started out, we were asking for, for donations. And so we, of course, we got the standard things, lots of uh, dry uh, macaroni and cheese, lots of canned goods, things of that nature. When what's really needed, especially in our community and around here, people don't have access to traditional kitchen facilities. Mm-hmm. So we try to focus on things that, may not be the most nutrient dense but they're ready to eat they could be made quickly they're very portable for people and i don't think that that's a focus that a lot of traditional food pantries even take into account mm-hmm. that's been a hurdle to teach yeah because you have to teach your community what you need and what to give mm-hmm. and it's been a hurdle for people to understand that that's where we are well when the food pantry first started i mean you took the time and research what goes into what a, a traditional meal or, or package would, would need to consist of for someone to get the appropriate amount of nutrition and, and whatnot. But, but then we found... I, was, I, need, I need all of your... I need everybody's <laughs> spinach. I need all of your cans of spinach. <laughs> but then we found out, you know, a lot of these youth are living in a hotel, you know, so they don't have a kitchen, or let a alone a can opener to open that, you know... I would like to say the city provided us with 1,000 can openers two weeks ago, but they are branded with property of city of Knoxville, (laughs) so it's a little confusing, (laughs) but we do have plenty of can openers now, but we do not see a lot of canned goods leave the center, so what we do is we take them to blessing boxes around town, um, and we spend a lot of time doing that, so people are using them, we go by and check, people are taking them. But what's needed here is ready-to-eat food. I always tell people, if you have kids, think about what you're putting in their lunches. Yeah. All parents are buying multi-snack packs. They're going to Sam's Club and buying big bulk stuff. 
just buy an extra couple boxes while you're buying your stuff for your house. Well, and the hope is with the the fridge now, um, you know, we are partnering with local farms to get fresh produce. Hopefully, soon we'll be able to put uh, fresh meat products in there for you know people who have the ability to cook that and that has that need. I mean, because you know there might be someone who has a home but has fallen on hard times and then they just need a little a little extra help and so you know being able to shop from shop air quotes from that fridge or our community garden that has been started so we have we have pulled out 15 gallons of food so we use five gallon buckets but we've harvested 15 gallons of food i'm really proud of it that awesome. yeah. yeah it looks great it looks really good. and our fridge beardsley farm uh, drops off fills the entire refrigerator so it's a standard size refrigerator you have in your house every week twice a week and by sunday every week it's completely empty oh, and there are other community members dropping stuff off too but that's a lot of food going I've been out cookies in there and what we see here at the center are a lot of homeless neighbors, houseless youth, and at South Press, we're seeing a lot of our elderly population because they open at 8 a.m. and typically 8 to 9, South Press is pretty quiet. Um, so a lot of people who may feel embarrassed for help come there, and we probably are filling up South Press close to four days a week now. Interestingly enough, the reason I was late is <laughs> I was having a conversation with a community organization in Blunt County who uh, they do blessing boxes and they were discussing how they were some things set stagnant in there. And this very conversation is this thing I was telling them. I said, you know, many of these houseless folks don't, when they're living in their car, they don't have an oven to cook these things you're putting in there. So your idea of what they need it's really your idea of what you think they should want yeah. and what exactly. you really need to look at is what they need mm-hmm. and what they're able to use and it's some of those things because you have the nail on the head yeah and like you know you've got to flip the way you're looking at this mm-hmm. if you want your blessing box to be or blessing boxes excuse me to be successful mm-hmm. was is that you have to provide stuff you got to meet people where, where they, they are. are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Working with the CAC and the Youth Wins Program is the reason I left my job to work here full-time. Um, but those kids have it right. They are organizing to meet with the mayor's office. They're fighting for other people. But their big thing was, you're giving us food that you think we need. Mm-hmm. Or you have no idea what we do need. And so what they started was a program where they collected all the food that they couldn't use when churches would give them boxes and then take it somewhere else and donate it. Because people, you'll see out in the park, cans of canned goods just sitting out because someone has come by on a bus and distributed boxes. And there's no way for, the eat it, eat, for them to eat this food. So they leave it close to the center thinking that we can recirculate it back into the food program. Well, and not only like them not having access to can openers and things like that, you also, if you're going to take the time to donate food, you should not half-ass it and just really think about it, yeah. you know? Like, it's Don't not... donate things that you would not eat yourself. Yes. Yes. Or, or open things, yeah. or things expired eight months ago. Yeah, It's great that you want to help, but when, you, when you're when you at the end of a day and you're going through a box of food, 
and expired two years ago, you want to find that person and throw it at them. Like, it's like, this isn't correct. Nobody wants wrong. your lima beans. I also, I, like, in, John, you told me to get super excited about this, is when somebody will donate something that somebody might consider unnecessary because it's like, it's, you know, a luxury item, like candy, like, you, you know, like nice chocolate or like, you know, nice candy, something like that. And it's like, everybody needs a treat. Yeah. You know. Yeah, someone brought a ton of Valentine candy. Probably a pallet full. And we started just dropping it in people's yep. stuff as they left. Mm-hmm. And people got very excited, especially the teenagers. The, Pepsi's a sponsor. They give us sodas. And no one is more excited than when you're like, do you want a 12-pack of Mountain Dew? And these kids are like... Yes, because even if they have EBT cards, because we take these kids to the grocery store weekly and help them budget, they still run out of that money. $136 is not enough food for anybody. Um, they're not buying Mountain Dew. So if you give my Mountain Dew or Pepsi mm-hmm. a 12-pack, even the gross, weird Pepsis that we get, because um, Pepsi likes to give us crazy flavors, they are very excited about it. Because it's a luxury that we take for granted that they don't always get. Yeah. Well, there was the lady not too long ago that wanted to, that reached out, she wanted to drop off these birthday kits you know so it was a cake mix the frosting the sprinkles and stuff to decorate uh, a birthday cake because you know a great idea a lot of people can't yeah can't afford a birthday cake so to be able to get that that she did not understand why it wouldn't be a good idea i had to actually call her and be like they don't have a place to and you could you could feel on the phone call her like getting it yeah and then she was embarrassed like there's no you're trying, so yeah. take that effort and put it in something else. Now they're they're working on a donation drive, so the money they're going to spend on birthday kids, they're going to go out and buy stuff for the pantry instead. It's hard for people, it, it, you know, it's like the clothing closet, it's food. Benevolence is tough mm-hmm. because, it, like, well, like I mentioned earlier, it's hard to shift your perspective to understand what someone actually needs and so through that I would suggest to anyone who's listening don't be embarrassed it's okay to ask mm-hmm. what would be best mm-hmm. um, I'd say it's also okay to just give money that's yeah. the other thing I was going <laughs> to say a, I've like been trying the... to put into our advertising we are tax exempt at Sam's Club and Costco our money goes further send money and, to us give us a gift card and we donating have, just, to Knox Pride <laughs> you also can get a tax deduction at the end of the year and you can set it up as an auto where you don't even have to think about it and so it allows, rather than spending the $15 at Sam's just set up a 15 and that's and you're like oh that's not enough I should be doing more and so then you don't do it but for all those months that you could have just been doing $2 or $15 or whatever it is it does add up I mean if everybody at this table was giving $5 I mean not y'all specifically you're already giving so much of your time but but you know that it makes a difference and if the people with experience they can stretch that 15 or 20 dollars mm-hmm. further mm-hmm. than you can yeah i love what coupon you think so. people need mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also speaking of our recurring donations at knoxpride.com forward slash donate um i think a lot of people think that a lot of people donate mm-hmm. we have 15 donors a month we have one hundred and twelve thousand followers Wow. If half of those people gave a dollar a month, it would pay all of our overhead for a year in one month. John makes this look like a well-oiled machine, but I 
cannot stress enough to folks who are listening, and if you're listening, please share this with people you know and love. Share it with people you don't love. I don't care. <laughs> but the thing is, is you know, we make this look easy, especially you know, John and Story being forward facing all the time. But you know, we need so much more money and so many more people. And one of the best ways I think that folks can really learn what true needs are in the community would be to sign up to volunteer, mm-hmm. like so you can actually meet the people in the community who are helping to service so you can become a stakeholder in all of this too. I know this is like my cheesy financial pitch. <laughs> also consult your tax professional for all tax deductible things at the end of the year. Now, jokes aside, but yeah, sign up. You really will get in front of folks. And I know that's a little less of the conversation I'm breaking. The no, it's, it's really hard to get in. But I really need you all want to, be to do this. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause to think about it, Everybody at this table has a full-time job, and then we're still here yep. 20 to 40 hours a week, and even more leading up to Pride Fest. So it's like we are, that's why we don't get to enjoy Pride Fest, because there's not enough people helping, and we are exhausted mm-hmm. by the end of October, because, yeah, even though Pride Fest is over, we still have 20 other events that we have to do. <laughs> the rest of that month and then leading up to the holiday months we have to do even more because we have to give back to the children and you know the homeless youth again to give them a holiday even half of what we have at home like we still have to do all of that so it's 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 mentally and emotionally exhausting but it's still rewarding the entire time I don't think we would do it if it wasn't rewarding. No. I mean, James also, and I we went, have fun doing we it. We do have fun. So come and have fun with us. Yeah. I think that a lot of our events and things are geared toward things we enjoy because we're going to be here doing them. Mm-hmm. And so we, we try to make it something that's going to be enjoyable for us. But James and I went to a company downtown last week for a lunch and learn. And I said something about 70% of our volunteers didn't show up for their shifts. I think we had 20 volunteers total for 64,000 people for three days. And they, one person argued that couldn't be true. <laughs> and then everyone's kind of like an audible gasp. They were Because there were more people in that room listening us talk about Pride than actually were volunteering for Pride. Mm-hmm. You don't have to volunteer like we do. I, I would never ask anyone to work the hours I work. I know that I'm insane for what I do. But everyone has two, three hours in them. Mm-hmm. And it would make it much more enjoyable for everyone. And it would sustain it. Because it's the reminder that you know, we see it all the time, but, you know, people aren't queer, they aren't houseless, they aren't food insecure, they aren't fill-in-the-blank one week into year. Yeah. It's year-round, and I think, you know, that's in, in respect to where we are now at the center and the realizations we've all had as different programs have rolled out and the things we do. Which makes it tough when, you know, money's been tight and resources are tight human capital being the primary resource getting people to volunteer is that we have to find ways to keep this going because we've been able to put band-aids on holes that have been leaking forever (laughs) and 
We have city officials come in for meetings at the center and say, you guys are doing so much work that we are not doing. Keep it up. (laughs) And we've literally said, well, we need money. Like, well, good luck with that. But thank you for all you're already doing. Well, and I think that's a thing that, you know, people or like any type of nonprofit organization, like, you know, always, you know, people feel like they're always asking for money. And it's like, well, that, that's part of it is yeah. like, and the thing is, if, you know, you said like the amount of followers of half of those people donated a dollar a month, it would cover the overhead for the year. And in one month, in one month, not even for the year, just in one yeah. month that we do it. I, the more time that is freed up, not having to chase funding to do these programs for the community would free up time to do more, yeah. to plan and to do more. Well, and that kind of falls on the responsibility of the community as well. Um, I've been saying this at the last couple events that I've talked at, but there are a lot of people who want to donate to charities and you have to do more than just Google gay charities. If you do that, the Trevor Project is going to come up. And while that's an incredible organization and they do a lot of amazing good work, they have federal money. They have enough money. They have (laughs) plenty of money. Just do a little bit more research, just yeah. dig a little bit deeper, and you'll find other people, other organizations like Knox Pride. Yes, we would like for you to give us your money, but there are also other organizations like us who need money just as much that aren't mm-hmm. these giant corporate charities. They're helping like people right them. here in the community yeah. you live in. Also, we have money lying around, which is very <laughs> rare, and we hear of some other organization that needs it. We write, we are the first people to write a check. Um, Sometimes to our detriment, but we make sure everyone's taken care of. One of the other things I was going to say, too, is, you know, if if there's a specialty or a unique point of view that you can bring to us, you know, we need that because we all have our learned experiences and our backgrounds or the things that we're passionate about, whether it's food insecurity or whether it's drag or whatever. But there may be something you're passionate about that we haven't thought of or a skill set that you can bring that we don't have. And you could make waves of differences just by giving us you know an hour a week or something like that to be like oh yeah i'm really good at you know this particular just to plug in yeah and and, you know it it takes a lot of off of the rest of us that won't you know are trying to wear so many hats yeah but even if you don't feel like you have a special skill even if you think that the only thing that you can do is come here and fold t-shirts come here and fold t-shirts if you're here for an hour folding t-shirts that's an hour that I can do something that pertains to the volunteer coordination or JD can do work on the food pantry or something, you know, like we, it takes all kinds of people and all kinds of skill sets to make this place work. We looked last week, last Wednesday, Cole sent their LGBTQA group here to the center. Six of them came for four hours. Coles paid us for the hours they worked here and paid them. And they got paid double their normal salary for working at Coles. But what happened was they alleviated 40 hours of work for us in those four hours. They did everything that we needed to do for the Thriftique for the next three weeks, which frees us up to do other work. And we all, I, Story and I both cried sitting and eating our lunch. We were like, we are eating lunch today. Because that's not something we do very often. But they did everything we needed. We ordered lunch and celebrated. (laughs) And also, I would say that if you maybe don't feel like you have a lot to offer and you would like to change your mind about that and you would like to get motivated, 
just show up. I am not naturally a hard worker <laughs> at all. And and I was kind of the last of our group of friends to jump on the Knox Pride train, you know, I for a while I was kind of resistant to it and I and I just kept saying, I don't have anything to offer. I don't know what I would do for you guys. And then I eventually realized that I did have a lot of things to offer and that was because I just decided to show up and everybody was so encouraging and I found things in me that were helpful. And so just come, just show up. <laughs> it's, it's those kinds of things that have gotten our food pantry to where we are now mm-hmm. with our f- work with food insecurities. Um, I mean, we started a food pantry in a closet in the back of the room, and now we have a community garden, uh, a fridge that um, is loaded by several community partners um, that help alleviate some of that. So that was one of the things with the, the resource center that was a big thing that we wanted um, when the center started. But just like that with the food pantry, learning what the community needs, that's what the community, that's what the center does is mm-hmm. it adapts to what the need is. We went from building bags to being able to actually give people what they need as far as accessible food. We do the same thing with um, our thriftique now. Um, it started out as just a clothes closet, but it behind has, a yeah, <laughs> behind a curtain. Yeah, you came mm-hmm. into the room that we're sitting in now. There was a, a at that point a red curtain, and if you look behind it, um, wild <laughs> five, six racks of clothes just shoved behind there, and it became really hard to provide that service to people to pull that out, put it up when there was events because. What people need to know is these two spaces we have are multi-use mm-hmm. rooms. I mean, so Everybody they, wills. they... So talk <laughs> about that. Like, what all do you guys do here? What are some, what's some of the other programming that's happening in these The thrift is a big one. Um, you know, we, we converted office space into a thousand square foot thrift store. Mm-hmm. So that came from a rack of clothes behind a curtain, one rack to a thousand square feet of clothing now. Um, <clears throat> the room we're in now, we do movie nights, we do our support groups, uh, we do our life skill classes, we have community members and groups that rent out the space to use it for their meetings. Um, we did Neurodivergent Pride yesterday, and this was a silent disco, and we ter- took everything in the thrift store and shoved it into a corner and turned it into a sensory safe space for people to go to. Um, we use the park next door to us at Sam Duff for our um, monthly Sunday markets. We're up to 40 vendors a month. We had 80 people apply for July's market. Mm-hmm. We take 40 because we want queer and minority-owned businesses to sell out. We want them to have a great day, so we don't want to oversaturate. But we have a wait list of 40 each month for that now. And we use both sides of the... Of the um, where are we at? At the Pride Center. <laughs> the sidewalk and the park for that now. Mm-hmm. So there's, it's really limitless what can be done here. We have a full audio-visual setup. We have Wi-Fi. So people can rent the space. They can. If it's a non-profit event, there's no charge. Uh, if it's a for-profit event, you can give a, a portion of your profits. Anyone can donate. It's, this doesn't magically run itself, but the goal is to be accessible for people. Um, and then we have our podcast studio, quote, air quote, studio. Um, we just sit in the back of the thrifty <laughs> at a table and record. You'll be in the front of the thrifty soon because we're, we're changing it around too. 
Um, I moved, I got an office this year, and I'm losing that office because our food pantry is growing. So we're really excited. For the first time in my life, I'm excited about losing an office. But we're going to, that week, this week, all that's going to change around some as well. Hopefully, there'll be more space to podcast record as well. But we are serving so many people, It's we're, we're out of space. Yeah. So we are, these two spaces were supposed to be double duty in each room, and now we're seven, eight, nine different functions happening. Yeah. It's a lot to keep up with, but we have a great calendar on knoxpride.com. You can fill out a form to rent the space. Um, but yeah, there's, we are averaging 35 events a month. That's insane. I think Story had to compile something for the last 18 months for grants, and we have had 790, 798 things happen here since October of 2021. That's crazy. And we've mentioned Story's name a couple of times, and she's been on episode before, but she is our trans and non-binary services leader. So she oversees the programming for our trans and non-binary services. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those things being our affirmation days. Um, and that is um, something that has actually grown into um, now we do an affirmation fair. Um, so we bring in these businesses that offer services that are uh, that provide affirming uh, services, care, um, those kinds resources. of things, resources for um, people who are in the, the trans community. Um, so like um, salons, hair salons. Um, we have voice coaches that come in. We have therapy um, therapists that come in. We have people who help with um, wardrobing um, as far as like maybe this pair of pants doesn't fit you because, uh, you know, as a female, you wore a smaller size. So um, that these people can help with alterations. Um, so those kinds of things. That's something else that we offer here. Um, with a thrift store, when people are in transition, a lot of times... You know, if you need makeup or you need new clothing, shoes, accessories, it's really expensive. It's already expensive enough just to do that normally. But when you're becoming who you're supposed to be, that's a huge expense to undertake. And what we've seen, because we've done this long enough now with the affirmation days, is folks who came to our first affirmation days are now coming back with their entire wardrobes of their previous life and donating it because they feel comfortable enough to be who they are now. But when you're starting out in your transition, if you can save money... Queer people have great clothes. I was about to we say. We have some of the nicest stuff you'll yes. we'll ever see. <laughs> yes. So and everything's $5. Things. And if you can't afford it, there's no charge. And if you want to pay more for it, you, you can. can. People yeah. do. People All do. We have gotten some gems from... The goal is to make it accessible to everyone. So if you can't afford something here at the center, we're going to hand it to you mm-hmm. and wish you the best. Mm-hmm. If you are able to afford more, then it's always good to give. And that's probably where we see the most giving is when people come in to buy stuff at the thrift store they'll add a 20 or $30 tip. Yeah. And that goes a long way. That goes a super long way. Sure. I don't think people realize that those, it's not corporations taking care of us. Corporations want to take care of Pride Fest. Mm-hmm. Let's just be really clear. They want Pride Fest. They do not yet, we're working on it, but they do not yet understand the bang for the buck that the Pride Center could offer them. It's mm-hmm. community members that are taking care of this space. Yeah. And I would say we have a lot of time between now and October to, <laughs> I, know, I know it doesn't feel like it but like you were saying get involved now yeah. like get to know some of the people in the community and then you have a stake in volunteering later because you feel like you're a part of something you know? I mean that's me right now yeah. that's yeah. the way I'm feeling all around it was yeah. a story a year ago she tells the story all the time she came in Dustin and I were eating lunch 
at the round table where we record podcasts. <laughs> and she came in and she said, is this not Sprite? And I said, yes. She goes, you don't like trans people. You don't care about us. I was like, yes, we do. And she was like, prove it. I'm like, well, what do you want? Whatever you want is yours. And it took her, what, three or four months to realize that we offered her every resource we had to start a program for trans and non-binary people. Mm-hmm. And it's grown into a huge part of what we do here. But it took her time to trust us mm-hmm. and realize, like, you can't have access to everything we have and use it for the community. Mm-hmm. And, and I think did. that's what, and she did. Yeah, and she, she does did. still. Yeah. And I think that's what people have to realize. Whatever we have, as long as you're not, you know, throwing straight pride or something like that, we will go behind you 100%. We could do a straight pride and take the profits and put it back into the queer center. We would throw a great straight pride. Well, what would that include? Yeah, what would that even look like? Uh, we'd have to talk to some straight people. I feel like lots of khakis. It's an old Navy Fourth of July sale. <laughs> straight gun range. But we are Happy very, we are very good. No, I used to drive not, a Honda. Not Budweiser anymore. No, but we're very good at planning things. We could plan a straight pride. We'd have to have other people there moving our bodies for us so we weren't visibly queer. Take that money. And put it back in the cruise services. <laughs> I tell Nathan right. all the time, bad people's money spend just like good people. I did tap the table. I apologize. Several times. Yes. Know, right? And that was in he the was getting emphatic before. about the straight people. <laughs> I so, just love straight people. <laughs> <laughs> so the resource center is hitting its two years mark. Uh, it will be celebrating anniversary um, in October when Pride is. Um, let's talk about why Pride has moved to October now. Someone else talk about that. Because it is hot, y'all. So, the... I'll I'll do it. I I get... This is the email... No no one talk about it. John, let me talk about it. This is the email I get the most about. And I thought maybe after Pride moved, we would not get this email anymore. But they have started. And I just... I just send them our calendar of events. (laughs) I try to be as friendly as possible. Mm -hmm. My big reason... Because at the end of the day, it was my decision to move Pride. So, I guess I have to answer... October is National Coming Out Month. It is a cooler season, typically. Um, And students are back in session. So we used to get a lot of emails from students saying they could not be their authentic selves at home, wherever they were. And they hated that they had to miss a pride. Also, I think in 2019, there were six or seven people that had heat exhaustion had to go to the hospital from pride. Um, When Nathan and I started talking about the center specifically, because pride couldn't be a thing because of the pandemic... We talked about inclusivity and how pride had been perceived as very elitist for a long time in classes. And part of that was where we were. It was not accessible for ADA compliance in any way, shape, or form. Um, And it was too hot for older people to come out. And we were missing a huge generation of people that weren't here because school wasn't in. Mm -hmm. And if you look at 2022, it was a different a different community. Totally. It was com- everyone was represented. Mm-hmm. It felt like an actual pride. Like it didn't feel like older gay white men pride. To well, be honest, and if that statement bothers you, you should look into yourself and figure out why. <laughs> <laughs> We're also, you don't know him. You're like there he went. We're also not the only city to have. Our pride yeah. no. festival no. in October. Lots Atlanta. of cities do. Some Chatt- people... Chattanooga is the same weekend of us in October. Well, when you when you made the announcement, like I, I was like, 
so excited about that just because of like June in East Tennessee is brutal. We also thought that moving out of June, while this year we've had 30 something events, we have partnered with other organizations to bring awareness to them Mm -hmm. and to organizations that don't have the reach that we have to lift them up. If we are monopolizing the gay month, quote unquote, then where is everyone else going to be? If we're really building a community and we're really strengthening a community in East Tennessee, that's our job. Yeah. So October for us is no big deal. Plenty of people still came. The angry people or upset people are always going to be the loudest, and we just have learned not to let that bother us anymore. Um, but small organizations could not move to October. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it, it was a smart move for us. Also, we opened the center on October 3rd, so the weekend of Pride is our anniversary every year. And what we're most proud of is that we have built a community and resource center. That's We were talking about this on the last episode, that this Pride Month has felt particularly different. And yeah. I don't know, I feel a little cagey, more than I have any other year, where I felt like, why are we, June? why just June? Like, I'm just pissed mm-hmm. off about it, kind of. So, Me on like, the other side embraced it. Yeah. Me on the other side I've embraced it. I have been so Pride 365, Pride 365. Yeah. Last year we didn't do a lot in June. But we realized a year later, still you know fighting for funding every like most nonprofits do. June is the month we can cash in. Totally. So we have said yes to everything. Yeah. And but working with those partnerships, like with the zoo, this is our third annual zoo night. We're going to start launching in October and do part of their boo at the zoo. We're going to have a pride night during October. So we're putting that work with these organizations, and they are starting to realize that June is not the only month that's important to us. So we'll start seeing that stuff spread out, hopefully. So hopefully in 2024, these kind of events are every month. We have some major thing with a major sponsor. LGBTQIA plus only one day a year. This this can help the people that hate that we have a month. Yeah. Just say okay. We'll We'll take it all. Yeah. 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 All of them. Pride October. October is also Queer History Month too. Yeah. I mean, so just like June, there is a significance to it with the Stonewall riots and stuff. I mean, there's there's we just felt like October two too. years of the pandemic. It made sense if we were going to make a change. We went from one day to three days. We went from a daytime parade to an evening parade. Then go ahead and do it. Then okay. so rip the bandaid off. It'd be less. Com- it was confusing. I understand why people can be confused because you do something for twenty five years the same way. But I think we are seeing less confusion this year. It's back to that point we were making earlier. And it's like, if you always do what you always did and what you think people want, it might not actually be right. But when we listened to what people wanted, that's how Pride ended up moving. I mean, there was some want in here to coordinate with the center, of course. But a lot of the rest of the other concerns were, it's literally what the stakeholders in the community wanted. I mean, yeah, there are people who think June, but they're... Well, we got hundreds of surveys back. Almost every vendor returned a survey. Every performer returned a survey. And I think that is astonishing for most surveys for anything. Um, And everyone was happy with October. Also, I couldn't imagine being a drag queen in June, walking around all day. That seems wild to me. So October should be much more approachable to have all the makeup and hair and well, any entertainer. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, during I mean June, being on that stage, um, 
just being it's, outside. Yeah, just being a guest there. And around. I love the fact that it's three days now, mm-hmm. as opposed to trying to jam it all in to eight hours or mm-hmm. ten hours. After you've done a parade. After you've done a parade, you get like a whole weekend to celebrate. Yeah. Well, and I, I, what I like about going to three and separating it, like you go to the parade, and we've talked about how magical the parade is. You kind of lose that because now you're rushing to get to a festival site and to be a part of that. So there's there's not an oppor- there wasn't an opportunity rush. to set in mm-hmm. what you've just experienced. Mm-hmm. So I like that is because now you can go and you can set in what it, the parade was and then everything that's happened there, and then that carries over to the next day to to the festival. And it gives us more time to make it special yeah. for people. We're not constantly rushed too to like get things going. Yeah, having people we along the time. road trying to get yeah. floats down the, as quick as possible. And something I really liked, and I know that this will not be particularly popular with everyone, <laughs> but I like that for the first time, you know, looking it with the bird's eye view from where I am and all of this is 2022 pride wasn't just a booze fueled orgy (laughs) and we removed the VIP area single person who was obnoxious or trashed and and that was a lot of our surveys Several folks said. Now, there were some people, some vendors who said they thought they would have better sales if people were drinking in the same area. And I get that, but that's just not really where we are. And it's not feasible at World's Fair Park. We are going to make some changes this year to try some different things out because we have the space to do that because we're not... Last year wasn't perfect. I think it was pretty perfect, but it wasn't perfect. So we're going to try a couple different things. But we will phase alcohol out of pride. That has always been... The reason we have alcohol is because it's donated to us and it has paid for pride. Mm-hmm. In 2022, we can be honest, I feel like that did not pay for pride. No. We had no. a different group of people. Pride was the least profitable in 2022, but I feel like the most successful. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of young kids. It was, and a lot, lot of families and a lot of folks who, who maybe didn't feel like they could come to pride because of their financial situation and that barrier was removed. Um, and I, we got more positive feedback removing VIP section than negative. We, we got negative feedback. But if, again, if, if you're e- taking the time to email a, organiz- a nonprofit for removing their VIP section, that's something you should probably do some self-reflection. One of my favorite quotes is, old doors don't open new ways. And we talked about something similar to that on the last podcast, you know, Pride now where it is, we're at a point of responsibility for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people in the community that are that have been with pride or have you know experienced pride up to this point should feel that same sense as what can we do now to help usher this new generation into mm-hmm. um, you know, and hopefully leave it better or make mm-hmm. it easier. Mm-hmm. Um you know, we, we talked about how some of the, the younger generation doesn't know the struggles and the fight that has gone on to get them, you know, the, I won't say accessibility, but the, the ease of, of being mm-hmm. themselves now. I mean, that's ultimately, to me, is the goal. I mean, being a parent, my job is to make sure that my kid doesn't have the struggles 
that I had as a kid. It's my job to make it easier for them to become an adult that is equipped to live life. Mm -hmm. Same thing with our queer community. It's our job to make sure that these, the next generation is equipped Mm -hmm. to live life. Because we're seeing right now in our political situation, no one knows what tomorrow is going to have. And, and we need to make sure that these younger kids are equipped to fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, because we're, we're not always going to be able to fight that fight for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that, to me, that's the direction that Pride, Knox Pride is going. Uh, and I challenge people who are listening to this to look at it through that lens and, and be like, what can I do to help in, the, in that mission? with creating a, a safer space, a more inclusive space, uh, a learning space. Um, I mean, and then when I say the next generation, there's, there's also some older queers that have never had that support too. I kind of put them together. So I think our youth and our older population are the same because they didn't have that support. Mm-hmm. They are they are like youth in certain ways, especially people coming out later in life. So true. We have people that walk in this door and start crying because they never thought they would see an openly queer space mm-hmm. in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. And they've lived here their entire lives. So I feel like we treat some of our older population and our younger population the same with the same care because they're both going through the same realizations and learnings of who they actually are. And the key is listening to those groups of people and bringing them into the conversation and making it a dignified conversation that we're having about their existence and about their needs because um, like you were saying benevolent work has a tendency to be very much like let me give you a handout and the goal is to you know like what we're doing here is to teach them and help them to we're going upstream and figuring out what the problem is so that we can help in a way that makes lasting change that isn't just about, you know. Well, I think groups like our Rainbow Teens and the Youth Wins program, even our kids, we have a queer kid that's 16, and I don't know if he would have been comfortable a couple years ago Mm -hmm. being as open as he is. um, They're the ones that are going to fix everything. Yes. But we can give them really good, solid ground to stand on. Mm-hmm. Well, and, like, if you're feeling hopeless about the future, talk to a queer kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? They're going to give... They're, within minutes, they're going to give you so much hope for the future. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, but it's but it's still our time to set them up for that success. The onus shouldn't be on them. We can give them a solid foundation to build a house. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that something that we haven't really touched on is that... Uh, as a group of people working together, we're not only trying to cultivate and and protect and help our community, we're also trying to integrate our community into the greater community yeah. of Knoxville. Yes. And part of the way that we have done that and, and part of the good of moving Pride Festival to October is that it's, it's a whole weekend of queer people stink, stimulating the economy. Cool. We have a Friday night parade now instead of leaving that parade and going to the pride festival those hundreds of thousands of people are leaving maybe that's an exaggerated number tens of thousands of people are going to local restaurants downtown and yeah. having dinner and going to bars and having drinks you know now that it's a three-day long festival people are coming from 
other areas and getting hotel rooms downtown and spend it's it's we are here yes to help build and uplift our community but we're also here to make sure that our community is included yeah. in the greater community no you're right we i think that we're seeing that because we're being invited to be on advisory boards we're inv being invited to be on city committees they realize we have a buy-in and we have buying power and i think that when we threatened to cancel pride you saw a huge churn and we were sit. you were here we were sitting at the table it was announced i was like we'll cancel pride and we're like we're not going to cancel pride but people will think we do and it'll get them involved and i really think that it did our community showed up some of them out of anger and bullheadedness but we've done a lot of good stuff out of anger and bullheadedness we and a lot of good conversations and it has turned out to be a great thing i think where we are now versus where we were in february as a community in knoxville is a huge difference mm -hmm. and we are building bridges and working with people i never thought we'd work with mm -hmm. and it all started with a lot of angry emails about canceling pride it started with one headline yeah. like literally one headline. but we knew what we, were, we knew we knew we knew what we were doing was right mm -hmm. and that's what i love about it is like i i if we couldn't have drag performers at pride or if our trans brothers and sisters couldn't be there to be safe I would have said fuck it and just cancel the whole thing. We would have been happy. We were ready to, if trans people were not going to be protected, drag queens couldn't perform, we wouldn't have had pride. You can't, you can't omit part of it. It's just like saying, well, lesbians can't come, but we'll still have pride and we'll, we'll honor you all. That's, that's well, just a and, lot of bullshit. And not only, I mean, you can't have pride without trans folks and drag entertainers because they started pride, but also we were unwilling to have that's a pride that we couldn't have a festival that we couldn't have the youth at well, as well. Yeah. I, I think uh, yeah. we are, you know, the whole joke about with great power comes great responsibility. We we have earned trust in the community to, to speak for the LGBTQ community. And that means that with that comes a responsibility for protecting all of them. Mm -hmm. And standing up like this, you know, I was proud to be a part of it when that came out because it was like, yeah, we're not just in it to have fun. We're not just in it to try to make money or to put our name out there. Like, we're here to do this right for the people in our community. And if we can't protect them, mm -hmm. we're not going to do this. And they need to know, the community needs to know that Knox Pride has their back. Whatever the thing is, whether it's a, a you know, an unfair legislation, whether it's some company with a bad policy, whether it's you know, this or that, we're going to stand up for what's right and we're going to do the right thing and say, no, we as a whole community are not going to tolerate this. Right. And so what you do to one of us, you're doing to all of us. And uh, whether the, you know, some of those people out there realize it, we are a force and we bring a lot of jobs and we bring a lot of um, creativity and we bring a lot of money to the communities that we all live in. If, if, you know, these people got their wish and all of the gay people disappeared tomorrow. Damn, it'd be boring. The world would just, I think, <laughs> crumble because there's so many people that they just don't know are gay or trans or non-binary or whatever doing all of these roles. We're engineers. We're scientists. We are writers. We are, you know, movie makers. We are the service industry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Definitely the service industry. And mm -hmm. so, you know, every time they're bad-mouthing or wanting to, to do away with us, it's like... We're not just a demographic. We're not just a rainbow. We're not just, 
you know, a party. We are your community. And I like what James said about integrating the queer community into yeah. the community. Mm-hmm. We're already here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so to it. we're just, it's just a matter of showing space. you that yeah. we're here. And, and so nothing to fear from us. We made a statement and we could have stopped there. But I think that we made a calculated decision to go with it and push it till it was out. And I think that that brought a lot of our community together because we could have just put that statement out and left it at that. But it is wild and nerve wracking to try to talk for a community on a national level and not say the wrong thing. In two days time, we did Vox, BBC, CNN, and NPR. And I thought, oh, I'm a, it's gonna be real fun to be on NPR and CNN. It is not. <laughs> I was scared to death to say the wrong thing, and I don't get scared. And I feel like we had to do all of those things and push ourselves to go through that so the community can come with us. Mm-hmm. And I think we learned a lot in the last three or four months of how we can do more, and we should expect more of ourselves when it comes to taking care of our community. To that point, like you probably do, and I know I still do, mm-hmm. when NBC, I think, yeah, it's NBC University, uh, NBC Universal, I forget what their name is, NBC Universal. Now when they're needing a quote from a queer person, I'll sometimes out of the blue get a text from some of the reporters who work with them like, hey, can you speak to this issue for an article or for a news piece I'm working on tonight? And so that means that, you know, that's back to the trust and the thing, uh, all these things into the community and you know, speaking with authenticity and knowledge and power and all those things, and then getting to now, you know, speak, which is daunting as well, speaking on behalf of, you're like, oh, I'm not, but just like one letter and all of yeah, this. But one, word, sure. but one word wrong, you could crumble everything. But you know, this is something, and it's come up several times from things folks have said, and it really reminds me of one of my favorite quote, one of my many favorite quotes. But it's a Maya Angelou one, and it's people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what we excel at in all the things that we do at Knox Pride is we give people hope. I hope so. That's a beautiful way to end yeah. this episode. Yeah. Um, from myself to everyone sitting around this table, and I know I speak. Um, for Chrissy and Lauren too um, we applaud and we thank you all for all your hard work especially you i like to say real quick that there would be no Knox Pride Center without Dustin yes yes, yes. 100% Dustin's not allowed to be on the board because he's my husband but he uh, was the board when the board couldn't be the board um, he's everybody's daddy <laughs> Um, but I do, I thank you all for all the hard work you do. Um, I think everyone that's listening that has given up time or, or has put in effort, um, to those that came before, um, who has helped build Knox Pride to where it is now, um, that allowed a group of people to come in, um, and see a need and, and grow an organization, um, to a community center, I say thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, as we end Pride Month, um, I'm excited about what Knox Pride um, and the community are going to do. Um, I know 
politically, everything has been crazy this year. Um, and I think Knox Pride has given a, a sense of comfort and reassurance to a lot of people um, that wouldn't necessarily have that otherwise. So um, with that, I want to thank you all for sitting at the curious table and talking about um, what you all do with Knox Pride. Till next time. Love you. The Curious Table is produced by Chrissy Batts and Dustin Camp. Additional production and engineering by J.D. Davis. You can find us on all social medias at The Curious Table Podcast. Who would you like to see at our dinner table next? Email us at thecuriousTablePodcast at gmail.com. The Curious Table is brought to you by Knott's Prime Network with funding from the United Way. The Curious Table. We'll be sure to save you a seat. The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of Knox Pride.